of you ever make mistakes in your life? Never. You don't. Uh, yeah. It's free. Mary does, but you don't, right? Yeah. You know, it, it seems today that a lot of us, we always, everything we do, it's like, oh, man, I made a mistake. And, you know, sometimes mistakes, when they get deliberate mistakes, they don't no longer mistakes. They turn into sin. And uh, we're going to look at 2 Kings chapter 5. We'll go all the way through this chapter. but only nine verses today. And uh, we're going to pinpoint in one area today. But uh, we're gonna, as we go through here, we'll pick out mistakes and some big mistakes and try to understand that sometimes big mistakes can really, can really show God's glory if you're willing to wait on it and willing to look beyond your circumstances, beyond the things that might be going on in your life and pay attention to what God's doing more than what's taking place in your life because it always seems that... Uh, we always zero in about whatever it's about us. It's always it's just got to be about me, myself, and I. When in reality, a lot of times God is working a lot bigger than you. And, uh, but he'll use your circumstances and some of the mistakes we make to bring his glory to light. That will encourage other peoples as we go through this. And so as we look in chapter 5 of 2 Kings, you're going to find out that there is a lot of good riches in this chapter. A lot of beautiful things, even though some of it looks kind of dark and it's like, I don't understand why God would allow these things to happen. But if we pay attention to God's word and, and look through it, we'll, we'll grab a hold of that. So what we're going to attempt today is to pull out some very interesting things as we go through here today. And I hope that it will be applicable for your life. And uh, we'll see what happens. Everybody happy to be here? Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens to all this stuff up here today. Maybe I'll have to come back down there today. We'll see. But uh, big mistake... Number one, let's, uh, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to you today, Father, we thank you for the ones that have come today and for the ones that have stayed home, Lord. We ask you to bless them also. And Father, that you uh, continue to bring us together as a wonderful family. And Lord, as we learn who you are in our lives, we are so excited to go out and spread that wonderful news with, other, with others, Father. And we just ask you to bless today, Lord, as... Uh, People, uh, as they may be wondering what's going to take place this afternoon in their lives, we ask you to, to take that out of their heart. And this today, Lord, that this for these next few minutes, Father, that we, uh, we look to you and you alone. Father, would you, would you bless us today that we in return bless you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's see if I can figure this stuff out again. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> But <laughs> I'm tapping, Ray. I'm tapping, but it's not doing much. Huh? Stop tapping. That's a big mistake to tap. <laughs> I'll get yelled at by Ray back here. You got, we got that video? Thank you. Thanks a lot. Terrific. Thank you. 
Sometimes we could be mistaken and it could really be dangerous too, can't it? Yeah, big mistakes. That's a, that's a huge mistake. Uh, I've never done that. I don't know if anybody here has ever done that. I'm sure some of the young people might have uh, been come close to doing that. I don't know. But I've never done that yet. So to, to discard God's word, these are the two main principles for, this, uh, for the next few weeks, but to discard God's word, his son and his church is not profitable for you and it will be the biggest mistake of your life. Some of us want to take God's word and just say, well, it's, uh, it's written by man and this, that, and the other, and, and we'll discard and we'll put in what we want to put in. That's not good for your life. It's not profitable for your life. It will never be. Same with the son. If we will look at this, uh, Jesus Christ and say, well, that, he's not that important. He's just another prophet. He's just that. That's not going to be good for your life. And if you stay away from the church, which is what God has ordained for his people, that's not going to be good for your life. God has put these things together to give us a profitable life, to give us a life of encouragement and a life of great understanding. God will not honor your mistakes. You just continue to make these mistakes. God's not going to honor your mistakes, but he will honor your repentance. When you find out the mistakes you have done and you start continuing to do that and it just becomes this deliberate thing, God will honor your repentance, but he'll never honor these mistakes that you continue to make. One of the biggest mistakes of today is that thinking that you know what the Word of God says before you know what the Word of God says. I, I hear people that repeat things to me all the time, and, they, and, they, and especially years ago, I can remember my mom and other older people, they would give me things like the Bible says, and I'd go find out, that's not really what the Bible said. There's different things. We, we think the Bible says that, but it doesn't really think it's, it's not really exactly what it says. Now, everybody means it has good intentions and things, but we've got to learn what the Word of God says, exactly what it says, to become applicable to our life, because if it doesn't, then what you think it is, is becomes the gospel to you, and it's not correct. Knowing what, knowing what the Word of God says before you know what the Word of God says. You need to learn those things. And what if not all mistakes are failures, but designed by God to reveal His glory in a most magnificent way? And that's what we'll look at as we go through here. I don't want that on there yet. Take me back. I messed up. One of the, let me see here, uh, ask a question. When did Jesus, what, what reason did Jesus come to earth? And, and a lot of you, some of you that have been in the church while we studied this, and some of you know it, and a lot of you don't know, but, but I could ask the question, why did Jesus come? And a lot of you would give me different answers. But there's one true answer why he came. There's a lot of things that he, that he came to do, 
but there's one real thing that he came for, and that everything else comes out of that. And we'll see that. Let me see if I can get to there now. In John 18, 37, it says, Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? And Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear the witness to the truth. Everyone who is, in, is of the truth hears my voice. See, when you really grab a hold of that, and you understand that Jesus came not just for salvation, but he came to give the truth, and through the truth is where we come up with salvation, we come up with the way how we live our lives, everything comes through the truth. And if you don't grab a hold of that first to understand it clearly, then other things will start to confuse you too. So that is the reason Jesus came, was to bring truth to the world. The only truth we have is Jesus Christ and his word. That is the absolute truth. No matter what the world wants to say, that is the absolute truth. How are we to fulfill God's greatest commandment? If we look at Deuteronomy 6, 3a, we'll see, therefore, hear, O Israel. And I've talked about that in the last several weeks. I've got to hear God before I can understand his commandments and go with his commandments. Everybody awake? Yeah. Everybody awake? Yeah. All right. See, if, if you don't pay attention, you're never going to get this. And then when I ask you how you, how's everything going, well, I don't get nothing out of it. It's because you're not paying attention to God's word. You're not paying attention. How are you going to get anything out of God if you're not paying attention? You've got to hear his word. So we hear his word. In Deuteronomy 4, 5, it says, Surely I have, taught you, I have taught you statutes and judgments just as the Lord my God commanded me that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. Active faith believes behind the circumstances. Behind the circumstances. You gotta have, it's active faith leaves behind circumstances. Man's most common mistake is found in verse 1. God will not share you with other gods. So once we get started here, we're going to, start, we're going to try to pull as much out of this can we can. But this, uh, this young lady that we're going to deal with in, as a servant, the servant girl, we're really going to spend some time with her today. And we're going to look at her faith. And I want you, as you go through this, compare what you know about God and, and what your life is with God compared to this young lady. Now, and you'll find out that a lot of you don't have the circumstances that she, that she has. And you've got to look at it and you think, well, why in the world would God allow this to take place in her life? Well, we'll get through that. Active faith leaves behind our circumstances. In other words, when my faith is out front and going, to, going where God wants me to go, my circumstances become not what they used to be because I'm, I'm enjoying my faith. I'm, I'm reacting to everything that God's giving me, and I'm living that way. It's active. And the problem with a lot of the people in the church today is your faith's not active. You're kind of stalemate right there, and it's not active. You're not doing what God asked you to do. But this young lady did. And so Naaman, I don't know how you pronounce his name correctly. I've heard different pronouncements, but I'll just call him Naaman. So Naaman, now Naaman, the commander of the army of the king of Syria, he's a commander, he's a general, he's, a, he's the joint of chiefs. I mean, he's the high up in the Syrian army. And they're giving us a description of him so we can see how important he is. He's a commander of the armor of the king of Syria, which is a pagan country. It still is a pagan country today. It's next to, next to Israel. It's still battling with Israel, still doing all the things it always did. Not much has changed there. It's still the same place. He's honorable in the eyes of his master because by him the Lord had given him victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a what? Leper, yeah. So let's back up here a little bit. When I first read this, I, I, you can bypass it because you can see that, that they're giving you the description of this man. But when it stops there, and I, I, when it said the Lord with a capital L, that means that's my Lord they're talking about. 
That's my Lord they're talking about. But I'm also seeing here that's a pagan country. And I know that Naaman's king is a pagan king. I know that he worships in his own temple. He worships his own gods. I read that in the scriptures. I know that. So I'm confused here a little bit. And so when I read this again, I, got, I keep looking at it, I keep reading it. I say, okay, why, did they, why is this pagan country, this pagan commander interested in the Lord? They're talking about the Lord of Israel. Now, Naaman, a commander of the army of the king of Israel, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, in the eyes of his master, in the eyes of his king, because by him the Lord had given him victory to Syria. See, what happens with a lot of us is we want to claim our God, but yet we want to claim all the other gods in our life too. So we're just claiming what God does. They're giving God credit for something, but we also know that that same king credits the other gods and whatever other god he wants to make up. And that's not much different than what we do today. We'll claim God and we'll do everything we want, but then we'll go out and do whatever we want to do. And other things are idle. I had a, young, I had a man today come to, this, come to this week and said, you know, I've had an idol for several years of my life, and I'm not going to tell you what the idol was, but it was a certain idol. It was a sport idol. And he says, I just realized that this idol that I have was controlling my life more than God was. And it be, he understood that he was living in an, with an idol. So whenever we live with something that's taking precedence over God, it is an idol in your life. And a lot of you know that. So we got a, a king here that worships or knows who the true God is, yet is not surrendered to that true God. It's like a, a lot of people struggle with. And still focusing upon his gods that he wants. So we go on here, and he says he was also a man of, of valor. He was, a, he was a man of great authority. He had riches. He had money. He had control. He had a lot of things, but it says a leper. Now, we look at the physical part. We know what a leper is. It's a man with a skin disease. It's a man that most people would shun back then. But this man is such a, a charismatic man, is such a powerful man, that he's got the, all of Syria in control. But yet, he's a leper. And so what we want to look at is we look at the leper, but we also look at leper in a spiritual sense. It's a leper, which means sin. So if we look at it in a spiritual sense, which what we will to do is we'll understand that leprosy is so ugly. It actually, your, your body parts become terrible and they fall off and they're, they're just, it's repulsive to even look like. And that's why they would shun them and, and put them in their own little villages. And, but this man was not that way because he was so important to the king. But if we look at it as a sin part, then you can see how ugly sin is. Sin is ugly. Amen? Amen. Now, the, now, Satan will make you think sin is pretty and good. I mean, all the commercials we have, everything else, it makes sin look like it's something just fabulous. But it's not. It's ugly. And God wants to reveal that to us. It's ugly. It would actually tear your life apart. Now, you may not see it like that. Some of your friends may not see it like that. But I'm telling you, God sees it like that. I'm telling you, the church should see it like that. And the church should be praying for people like that. We should love them and, and give them the tough love. You know, I, I really get tired of people saying, you're so mean. It's not mean, it's love. Amen? It's never mean. You don't understand the word of God. And so therefore, you twist it and turn it to fit your God, and it will not work. When in reality, the people of God are loving people and encouraging people. And some things don't sound right today. It's because we are not worshiping the right God. Worshiping the God of whatever today. So far, the church looks mean and ugly and out of place. But I'm telling you something. I'm going home one day. The Lord's coming back. And I'll tell you what, 
I'm not going to be out of place that day, amen? amen. It's not going to happen. I'm gone. There's so many riches in these verses. Verse, sometimes the people we consider insignificant are the very ones God turns loose to reveal his glory. Amen? Amen. I mean, some of the people you just think are, are either too young or too old or, or they have no abilities or they have not. Those are the ones that God picks out and he turns loose that his glory will shine through what they do. But I'll tell you what, you have got to have faith. And that faith needs exercise, and that's what we'll see here, is how much faith do you have in the circumstances that you find yourself in. And I want to let you know something right now. The circumstance you find yourself in went through God's hands. Amen? Amen. It went through his hands so that you can learn to trust God through your circumstances or whatever it might be. It's not a surprise to him. So sometimes the people we consider insignificant, the pastors that don't have a DR in front of their name, those kind of things, the higher-ups, they look at, oh, he's not a, he doesn't know exactly the way. He didn't go through all of that. Hmm. The Holy Spirit guides, amen? amen? The people we consider insignificant are the very ones God turns loose to reveal his glory. And I'm telling you, you better pay attention to those type of people. In 2 Kings 5.2, it says, And the Syrians had gone out on raids. So in other words, they're going out on the, on the out part of their country and they're going out on raids and had brought back a captive, a young girl from the land of where? God's land, Israel, right? So they brought this, this young girl back. She waited on Nahum's wife. She was a servant, a slave servant to the leopard's wife. Okay, so they're giving us this information and you should realize, why are they putting this servant girl like this? There's, they want you to pay attention here. God's saying, pay attention here. In the servant girl's faith, we see she was content. Amen? You're going to see that she was content in her position. Now, some of you say, I, I struggle with where God's got me. I struggle with the things that are going on in my life. But I can see this servant girl that was ripped away from her family, ripped away from maybe a, a boy or a man that she had a crush on or, or what is engaged to or whatever. An army comes in. God allows an army to come in and rips her away out of her family, completely gone from everything she knew. He said, why, why would a loving God do that? Why, why, how can a loving God allow that to happen? Because God's more important than you. Amen. And what he's going to do is more important than what you think about him. His glory is going to shine. His glory needs to shine so people will come to him. I know it looks hard in our perspective, but God sees the whole picture. We see bits and pieces. And so, therefore, when we see bits and pieces, we try to tell God what to do with the bits and pieces. When God says, I already know everything. Quit telling me how to, to arrange this puzzle. Because, see, this young lady was content in her position. And she shows us this in the next few verses. But if I give you this first, you'll know you can look for it. Are you content in the position you're with right now that God's got you in? And some of you say, well, no. Well, you know what? Sin is not part of God. So if, God's, if you're in a position because of sin, you're probably not content because God didn't put you there. You did. You got that? You did. Not God. And you need to 
call on God and repent and let him pull you out of that position so that he can use your faith and grow. She was content in her position. She was consistent in her love. That's important, to be consistent in your love no matter what the circumstance of your life. She was courageous in her faith. She was bold. She, she had action. She wasn't just hiding it. She wasn't just putting it under a pillow. She was bold with it. She was compassionate toward the hurting. Amen? That sounds like a pretty good Christian to me, doesn't it? So if we can look at this servant girl and we can put these few things, these content, consistent, courageous, and compassionate, and we can say, is that my life in the position I'm in right now? And if I have not caused the position I'm in right now by doing sin or whatever else, if I've not caused this, then God has got me here for a learning process to trust him, to learn how to be obedient, to show his glory through whatever's taking place. In 2 Kings 5, 3 and 4, we start to see it unfold here. Then she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria. Okay, now we got a servant girl that's kidnapped, ripped away from her family. She's serving in a pagan country where nobody's serving the right God. They got gods everywhere. But yet somehow her heart is right where it belongs. You know, you'll hear people give excuses. Well, I, I grew up this way or, or, or the school I'm in or the job I'm in. It's just tough, Pastor. It's just tough. Yeah, but I can look at a servant girl and see how she did it because she had something more than we've got. A true love, a true love for the true God. Then she said to her mistress, if only my master were the prophet who is in Samaria, who is in Samaria, for he would heal his leprosy. And leprosy, if we represented this sin, that means he, if he goes to the prophet, if he goes to God, the man of God, he will be healed. And we hear all the time in the Bible, come to me, come to me, come to me, and God will heal you over and over again. So if we see this, uh, one of the bold things here for me is that how does she know that Sam, that um, Elisha would be willing to heal? I mean, she's, she's in tune with God, isn't she? She knows that God will heal this man. Somehow because of her prayer life, the way she's with God, she knows she has not a shadow of a doubt. And I'm going to tell you something. When we see all this come together, if she's wrong, do you really think that they would let her live? Do you really think they would, she could just be the servant of, the, of this high general's wife anymore? She lied to them. Nothing happened. Of course not. So she's, she's putting everything out there that, that's left of her life. Everything's been stripped away, and what's left of her life, she's allowing it to be thrown out there because she trusts the true living God. Amen? Amen. That is faith. That is wonderful faith. She's content as a person of God, she's content with it. If only my master, can you just see her, this wife, <coughs> excuse me, this wife that his husband, his body is completely deformed and totally repulsive. She wants her husband to be healed, amen? If your husband or your wife is sick, you want him healed, right? I mean, you want him healed. I mean, her heart is, she wants it. And this servant girl, see how desperate this wife is for her husband to be healed. So she gives her hope. She gives her a glimpse of hope. You know, hope comes with God, amen? 
you know, it's, it, it, it comes with God. Let me say something down. Love is hope's only future. Amen? Amen? You need to write that down. Love, which is the love of God. Not the love of man, but the love of God. The agape love, it is the hope of future. It's the only hope future has. It's the hope of future. So she lays it out there. Do you think she thought about this? Or do you think she just blabbered it out? Do you think she'd been praying over this for a while? Do you think she spent time with God in order to say these things? Because she's been a servant girl, obviously for a while. She's grown to attach to her master and stuff. She's living with him and understanding him. She's spending time. She's growing a relationship with these lost people. So at the right time, at the right time when God pinches her heart a little bit, her faith just opens up. And Nahum went, let me see here. If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. Oh, my goodness. Now, I know that uh, when you're sick, you'll, you, you, you really want to grab a hold of any kind of hope. But going into the king of Syria and telling him something that a slave girl told you and putting all your hope in that man, I would say that this slave girl was more than what we're seeing here I said there's more to her than what we just look at the contentment that she has where she's at and her love of God is a powerful one amen, amen. it's powerful it's not something we can out there it's powerful her consistency with her love. She has proven that she loves these people despite what they've done to her. Because they see this love, or they would not have followed through with this. And we'll see what, the, what, what, what they'll, he'll do later with this. The love that she has for them. It's consistent love. And she was courageous in her faith. Knowing that this could turn out all wrong, completely wrong. But she was faith, courageous with her faith because she knew her God. And she was compassionate because of the wife the tears and the pain coming down. She was compassionate with all of that. So the Nahum goes to the king and thus and thus said the girl who was from the land of Israel. And the king says here in verse 5, then the king of Syria said, everybody say, go now. Go now. Yeah. Okay, he takes this this the story in from this slave girl to the king. I'm talking about the king. I'm thinking, you're walking into Obama, Obama's office. He's the president now, right? You walk in that office or whoever's president. Matter. You, walk into that, you walk in there and this is the story I got for you. <laughs> what do you think? Don't you think this, this man went in there with every bit of passion he had saying this is the hope I've got. There is a true God. And you know about him because you've called him your Lord before. He's in Israel and you know he's there. I'm telling you, we have a true Savior, amen? He can, he can cure every sin that ever comes upon you. He can take you all the way to heaven and keep you for eternity. Then the king of Syria said, go now. Urgency, go now. Now, let's just think about this. Oh, come on, man. You really going to trust this girl? I mean, she's nothing. You really want to 
met, want me to do what? You want me to write letters and, and you're going to take all kinds of money and all this stuff and, and take a bunch of men with you and go over to Israel where they could, I don't know, they may be mad at us right now. They may be, who knows what will happen? And you want to do this over a, a servant girl? It seems preposterous, doesn't it? But yet God's letting, allowing every bit of this to happen because he wants his glory seen. He wants you to, to realize that you need to be content, compassionate, courageous. And he's showing us how to do it. He says, go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And that big word, go now, don't you see the urgency? This king's even starting to believe this. Nobody's healed from leprosy. There's no cure for it. I mean, he, the man's going to eventually die, but the, the love they have and the, the newfound hope they have I'm telling you, there's only one cure for sin. Amen? It's right there at the foot of the cross. That's the only cure for any sin you've got. Buddy, I'll tell you, that's hope. It's hope. It's hope. And the future of hope comes from God's love and God's love only. Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. What in the world is all that? Well, I'll tell you how important this is. I don't know what the price of gold and silver is today. Maybe somebody out there knows. But I'm going to tell you, if I had 150 pounds of gold, that's a lot of money, isn't it? That's a lot of money today. It was a lot of money then. Or if I had... 750 pounds of silver. That's a lot, isn't it? I think we could probably build a new building over there. It's a lot of money. So this king is, he's, he's not only, he's not only has the hope, and he's going to make a stake, mistake with this later because we always make mistakes, don't we? Aren't we always mistaking mistakes? And some of them are big mistakes. But God usually takes those mistakes, and if we allow him, and he'll turn them around to show his glory through him. So he takes this and this, these 10 changes of clothes, they're not, they're not a, a, a polo shirt or something. I mean, we're talking about royal garments. I mean royal, something that would be very expensive. The only the, the high ups would, could afford or whatever. And he takes 10 of these. So it's a lot more riches that he, he's piling all this up because he knows how important what's about to take place. What he doesn't know is our God. He doesn't know that grace comes free, Amen but he'll learn it. Let me see here. If your faith is always, if your faith is always same, in the same position, you're making a big mistake. If your faith is always in the same position all of your life, you, you just go through life and go through Christianity, go through the church, and, and you never really exercise your faith, you never really put it in action, it's a big mistake in your life. Because you are not allowing God to work in your life the way he wants to work. Faith and trust and obedience are the main ingredients in understanding the love of God, the truth of God. You've got to put these things together in your life. And the miracles happen. If your faith is always the same in the same position, you're making a big mistake. God has called us to faith and action. Amen? That's what he's always called. He never stops calling us there. When we go home to heaven, we're done. We're, we're going home. But until that day, our faith is to be in action. So I'm going to ask you one more question. How's your faith in action today? What are you doing throughout the week? Is there, is, are, you, are you doing anything with your faith? Why are you even here? 
I mean, why are you even here if you're not willing to, to do these things, if you're not willing to learn from the Word of God and understand the Word of God for what it is and not what you think it is? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? What are you, what are you trying to understand? God wants us to be bold with our faith. Amen? Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised, when this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. In verse 7, And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter, that he tore his clothes and said, I am, am I God to kill and to make alive, that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. Stop there for a minute. This king here of Israel, which should be in touch with God, right? In tune with God, he's out of touch with God. He, he, he's completely out. Everything's about him. So when, when things happen to us, when, when things happen, when God's wanting to reveal something magnificent in your life, but if your focus is always upon you, then this, this is how you react. Like, why me, God? Why you allow this to happen to me? Why would you let this man go? I can't heal him. I have no power to heal him. Why would you do it? He knows who Elisha is. He knows. He knows where the prophet is. He knows where God's working. So he's out of touch with God. He can't even get the most simple things right. And that's what happens when we lose our focus where God's working, where God's doing. We lose a complete focus of it. And we get out of touch and out of, out of tune with God. Verse 8, it says, So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king, the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? It's like, what in the world are you doing now? Like when people come to my office and they're all kind of chaotic, it's like, I just sit back and what in the world? What in the world? Let me scratch my head a little bit. Don't you know who your God is? How did you forget so quickly? How did you miss that how did the king miss elisha i mean you don't miss elisha do you at least i can't believe you would but yet he did that he sent to the king saying why have you torn your clothes please let me come to please let him come to me see the respect elisha shows please let him come to me and he shall know that there is a what a prophet in israel He's not demeaning the, the king. He's encouraging the king. And he's showing grace. The Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha. This is where I'm stopping on the today. But the Naaman went with his horses and chariot and stood at the door of Elisha's house. Let's stop there for a second. I don't know how many men he had with him, but I'm sure he had a lot because he had a lot of cargo with him. Gold's heavy. Silver's heavy. Ten things of clothes. There's a lot of luggage there. And a lot of people to protect all that. So he had these horses and the chariots and all the men and all the supplies that it takes to, to travel. And he's coming up. You can just see the dust flying. And he's coming up to Elijah's house. And man, you know. And Elisha knows he's coming. Because he asked for him to come. <laughs> We're not going to go that far today. But Elijah, he's just a cool prophet. Man, he keeps his cool. And this man's coming up and he's coming to the door. Now, the door represents Jesus Christ. The door, Jesus is the door. 
but he's going to come to the door. Now you'll notice something. This powerful man that has put everything he has into what he's doing, his only hope, his only focus is to go see this man. He's been on a journey from the servant girl and, the, and his wife to the king, to the other king, and now to Samaria where Elisha, he's on, he's on a journey. And he's got in his mind what God's going to do. And that's why we get in our mind what God's going to do. Oh, as soon as this takes place, God is going to do it this way, and he's going to do it that way. That's not my God. God's going to do it his way, amen? It's always his way, and we have to agree with his way. We don't have a choice. Well, God, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's pick a door or something. We don't have a choice. We agree with God because he's God. And you've got to quit fighting with God. You've got to quit trying to, I don't know, telling God what to do and how to do it. we just got to stop. And we've got to accept what God's doing in our life, no matter what it looks like. We need to learn how to accept that. We need to learn to trust God with what he's doing in our lives. Amen? Amen. So this horses and the dust and the, everything coming up, and he goes and Elisha's, of Elisha's house, and he stood at the door. The stood at the door part's important. You know why? Because I would have thought, if, I, if that was me, and I had spent all this time, and I got all this money, and I know what God's going to do, and I know he's going to heal me, all my hope is in this. I'm going to go, and I'm going to jerk that door open. Get out of here and heal me. But God is God, and he couldn't go through the door until God allows him to go through it. Amen. The, one of the most powerful men in this part of the world is not going to go through that door. He's not going to do anything. He's going to stand at the door of God because God's got his prophets, amen? God's got his people, amen? amen. You don't need to fear anything. <clears throat> How did Elisha know that God was going to heal this man? Isn't Elisha's life on the line too? What do you think would happen if Elisha said, I'm not going to heal you and get out of here? Isn't his life on the line too? But God's glory is more important than anything. I want you to understand that. God's glory to be seen in this world is more important than your life. It's more important than your circumstances. You know why I come to God? Because I recognized his glory. Amen? I saw his glory shine in, the, in my life and other lives. It was It was unbelievable. And I wanted to be involved in that. I forgot to give you the words for the week last week. I won't do it this week. Anybody made them out yet? Words for the week. You got the first letter, first word right. When contentment. Chris? Consistency? Courage? And compassion? Nope. Define? Our what? Our faith? It is? It is what? Powerful? Come on, it's one of my favorite words, stuff. You know, I like that word. 
when contentment and consistency, courage and compassion define our faith, it's the most powerful stuff on the world, isn't it? It's just powerful stuff. You can't deny it, can you? You know, Michael Phelps won another gold medal last night. That man is unbelievable, isn't he? You know, he came to the Lord. Um, I, heard, I heard last night, and I followed up today a little bit, that he's the most decorated Olympian of all times. He, he beat, he surpassed a record that stood for over 2,000 years. That's before Jesus. The fact that it, it stood, let me see if I can find it, five, let me see, uh, 2,160 years a record was broken. It was in 164 to 152 B.C. That's before Jesus Christ. Okay, why am I giving you that? Because I take that as truth, don't you? Who wrote it? Man wrote it. Was any of you around 2,160 years ago? Who wrote that? Man wrote that, didn't he? Well, I hear people tell me that man writes the Bible. Well, you'll believe this truth. There's not anybody living today that was around at that time, but you'll believe this. It was written down by somebody from Greece. It was, you'll believe that. Oh, man, everybody, the record was beat, a 2,000-year record. It was beat. Well, what if I said I don't believe it was? What if I said I don't believe the man that wrote that? What if I say maybe they were just cheating? Well, how can you say that? It's written down, Okay. The Word of God. Amen? Amen? How can I say that it's the Word of God? Because God's men and great, some great women wrote it down. Amen? Amen? It's the truth. It's the Word of God. Jesus Christ came into the world to reveal truth. This is its truth. When you fall in love with this, you fall in love with God. When you fall in love with the truth of God, you start realizing who God is in your life. Your faith will become powerful. And the life that you may live, even though how insignificant you think it is, God doesn't. Amen? Amen. Not for one instance they think you're insignificant because you're not to him. He loves you with great passion. When the circumstances come in your life, when the critical things come in your life, even though I know you want to look at your life, if you can just for, just for a while go to your knees in prayer and say, God, I don't see the picture. I just see what's the... The thing, the tragedy, the things that are happening, I don't see the picture. I can tell you there's been some terrible things happening in this church, and I didn't understand it, I didn't see it, but I can tell you there's many lives saved through it. Amen? Amen. I can see it now. Mike and Mary, stand up, please. You see these two? Tragedy! Tragedy! Chris, where are you? Stand up. Tragedy! None of you got stories like this. You can run from God and blame all you want on God, but they chose not to. They chose to, to love God and to see where God's taking this. And because of that, they are saved and they're my brothers and sisters and I'm going to heaven for eternity. Amen? Amen. And they're eager to learn. It wasn't easy for them. We sat in counseling lessons and went through many things. It wasn't easy, but they trusted God. They trusted him. Thank you. I got I to read this. It's raining outside, right? 
I haven't read the Warrior's Creed in a long time. The servant girl, she must have known this Warrior's Creed. I'm a soldier in the army of God. The Lord Jesus Christ is my commanding officer. The Holy Bible is my, my code of conduct. Faith, prayer, and the word are my weapons of warfare. I have been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversary, and tested by fire. I'm a volunteer in this army, and I'm enlisted for eternity. I will either retire in this army or die in this army, but I will not get out, sell out, be talked out, or pushed out. I am faithful, reliable, capable, and dependable. If my God needs me, I am there. I'm a soldier. I'm not a baby. I do not need to be pampered, petted, primed up, pumped up, picked up, or pepped up. I need to read that one again. I'm a soldier. I do not, I'm not a baby. I do not need to be primed, pepped up, primed up, pumped up, picked up, or pepped up, whatever they say. I don't mind encouraging anybody. But if you're not going to try, why will I encourage you? If you don't want to change, if you don't want to listen to the Word of God, I will always encourage you. I will always try. But I do get tired. I'm a soldier. I'm not a wimp. I'm in place saluting my king, obeying his orders, praising his name, and building his kingdom. No one has sent me flowers, gifts, foods, cards, candy, or gave me handouts. I do not need to be cuddled, cradled, cared for, carried, catered to. I am committed. I cannot have my feelings hurt bad enough to turn around. I cannot be discouraged enough to turn me aside. I cannot lose enough to cause me to quit. When Jesus called me to this army, I had nothing. If I end up with nothing, I will still come out even. I will win. My God will supply all my needs. I am more than a conqueror. I am always in triumph. I'm always triumph. I can do all things through Christ. Devils cannot defeat me. People cannot disillusion me. Weather cannot weary me. Sickness cannot stop me. Battles cannot beat me. Money cannot buy me. And governments cannot silence me. And hell cannot handle me. I am a soldier. Even death cannot destroy me. For when my commander calls me from this battlefield, he will promote me to a captain. And I am a soldier in the army. I'm marching and claiming victory. I will not give up. I will not turn around. I am a soldier marking, marching heaven bound. Amen. That's, my, that's, that's the service my God's called me into. I live by that. I love it. I've preached on it many times. I love it. Come to God and allow him to be the complete commander of all of your life. Let your faith be bold, be consistent, be courageous, have compassion, and love others. Amen? Amen? But most of all, learn what the Word of God says for yourself. Don't let a man teach you. Let the Holy Spirit teach you and guide you. I can only give you little glimpses and pieces, little drawings of what the Word of God says. You've got to dig in. And your faith will be magnificent. Would you define your faith as an action? How would you define your faith right now? That's between you and God. I'm going to open up these tables. And as we always do, you're welcome to come at these tables today. If you belong to Jesus Christ. If you're a child of God. If you have surrendered your life over to Jesus, you're welcome at these tables. Come, enjoy the Lord today. Give him all of you. Amen? Dear Heavenly Father, as we stand, Father, and...
as we sing to you, Father, and as our hearts open up to you. Lord, I pray that there's some here today that grabbed a hold of this message. That, Father, if, they're, if they have faith in you, Father, that they will exercise that faith, they will surrender all things to you, and they will be bold with who you are in their lives. Father, for those here today that do not know you but think they know you, or someone that absolutely knows nothing about you, or someone that has slept halfway through the message and trying their best not to pay attention. But Father, if you'll just grab a hold of them just for that instant, Father. Let them come today, Lord. Let them change their lives for eternity. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.